Welcome, everybody. Happy 4th of July. Yes, it's July 4th, and this is the one-year Bible tour. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your host, encouraging you to take in the vast scope of divine viewpoint as we make our way through the entire Bible in a year. Yes, we have just crossed the halfway marker in reading the Old and New Testaments, and we are starting round two, visiting the book of Psalms, which I trust you will find refreshing. In our part of the world, here in the USA, we are celebrating Independence Day. There are picnics, parades, and fireworks, and we are happy to have a representation in our town's festive picnic in the park, which is well attended. I have invitation cards encouraging people to take on our challenge to read the Bible with us. Jesus said, if we continue in his word, we shall know the truth, and the truth will make us free. We hope that wherever you are, and whatever country you are in, you can celebrate the freedom that comes from being delivered from the kingdom of self, and one who has received a new life in Christ, living in a union with him, and fulfilling your God-given purpose, just as the branches of a vine. But there's no hope for branches bringing forth fruit unless they are living in a union with the vine. Jesus clarifies by saying, Apart from me, you can do nothing. And apart from a faith union with Christ, you can never be free. Today, we finish the twelfth book of the Old Testament, the book of Second Kings. We will start the next book in the historical section of First Chronicles tomorrow. So let's go to where we left off yesterday, Second Kings chapter 23, verse 31, and we will read through to the end of the book, completing chapter 25. Jehoahaz's reign and captivity, 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 31. Jehoahaz was twenty-three years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his fathers had done. And Pharaoh Necho put him in bonds at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, that he might not reign in Jerusalem and laid on the land a tribute of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim the son of Josiah king in the place of Josiah his father, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But he took Jehoahaz away, and he came to Egypt and died there. And Jehoiakim gave the silver and the gold to Pharaoh, but he taxed the land to give the money according to the command of Pharaoh. He exacted the silver and the gold of the people of the land from everyone according to his assessment to give it to Pharaoh Necho. Jehoiakim was twenty-five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabida, the daughter of Padiah of Rumah, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Chapter 24 In his days... Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldeans, and bands of the Syrians, and bands of the Moabites, and bands of the Ammonites, and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by his servants the prophets. Surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord, to remove them out of his sight, for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also for the innocent blood that he had shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not pardon. Now the rest of the deeds of Jehoiakim, 
and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his place. And the king of Egypt did not come again out of his land, for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. Jehoiakim was eighteen years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of El Nathan of Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to the city while the servants were besieging it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon, himself and his mother and his servants and his officials and his palace officials. The king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year of his reign, and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord, which Solomon king of Israel had made, as the Lord had foretold. He carried away all Jerusalem and all the officials and all the mighty men of valor, ten thousand captives, and all the craftsmen and the smiths. None remained except the poorest people of the land, and he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon. The king's mother, the king's wives, his officials, and the chief men of the land he took into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon all the men of valor, seven thousand, and the craftsmen and the metal workers, one thousand, all of them strong and fit for war. And the king of Babylon made Mataniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, king in his place, and changed his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was twenty-one years old when he became king, and he reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence. And Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. The Fall and Captivity of Judah Chapter 25 And in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And they built siege works all around it. So the city was besieged till the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city, and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls, by the king's garden, and the Chaldeans were around the city. And they went in the direction of the Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho, and all his army was scattered from him. Then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah, and they passed sentence on him. They slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and put out the eyes of Zedekiah, and bound him in chains, and took him to Babylon. In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, that was the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. 
And he burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burnt down. And the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down the walls around Jerusalem. And the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had deserted to the king of Babylon, together with the rest of the multitude, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried into exile. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest of the land to be vine-dressers and plowmen, and the pillars of bronze that were in the house of the Lord, and the stands and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord. The Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried the bronze to Babylon. And they took away the pots and the shovels and the snuffers and the dishes for incense, and all the vessels of bronze used in the temple service, the firepans also, and the bowls. What was of gold the captain of the guard took away as gold, and what was of silver as silver. As for the two pillars, the one sea, and the stands that Solomon had made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of all these vessels was beyond weight. The height of the one pillar was eighteen cubits, and on it was a capital of bronze. The height of the capital was three cubits. A lattice work and pomegranates, all of bronze, were all around the capital. And the second pillar had the same, with the lattice work. And the captain of the guard took Seraiah, the chief priest, and Zephaniah, the second priest, and the three keepers of the threshold. And from the city he took an officer who had been in command of the men of war, and five men of the king's council who were found in the city, and the secretary of the commander of the army who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the city. And Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And the king of Babylon struck them down and put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hamath. So Judah was taken into exile out of its land. And over the people who remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon had left, he appointed Gedaliah the son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, governor. Now when all the captains and their men heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah governor, they came with their men to Gedaliah at Mizpah, namely Ishmael the son of Nethaniah, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and Sariah the son of Tanhumeth the Netophathite, and Jaazaniah the son of the Machathite. And Gedaliah swore to them and their men, saying, Do not be afraid because of the Chaldean officials. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. But in the seventh month Ishmael the son of Nethaniah, son of Elishama, of the royal family, came with ten men and struck down Gedaliah and put him to death along with the Jews and the Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. Then all the people, both small and great, and the captains of the forces arose and went to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans. Jehoiakim released from prison. And in the thirty-seventh year of the exile of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the twelfth month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, Evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. And he spoke kindly to him, and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put off his prison garments, and every day of his life he dined regularly at the king's table, 
and for his allowance a regular allowance was given him by the king, according to his daily needs, as long as he lived. And this is the end of today's portion from the Old Testament reading from the book of Second Kings, and it is the end of the book of Second Kings. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect upon what we have just read. It is ironic that on July 4th, when in the United States of America we celebrate our country's birth and its cherished freedoms, we read of the God-birthed nation of Israel going into captivity in Babylon. The nation has lost its freedoms through neglecting its responsibilities to walk in the light of God's revealed truth. The same danger is faced by our nation today. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Today we come to the end of Second Kings and the end of the kings of Israel. No king from the Davidic line will sit on the throne of David until the promised son of David, Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, comes to reign on earth. Prophecy is being fulfilled precisely. Jesus came as Israel's king in his first coming, but his rule was rejected. In John chapter 1, verse 11, Jesus took to himself the title of Son of David when he entered Jerusalem on that fateful week. He is the fulfillment of God's unbreakable covenant promise. A remnant praised him as such in his first coming. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 30, in chapter 21, verse 9, he was born King of the Jews in Matthew 2, verse 2, and he was crucified as King of the Jews in John chapter 19, verses 19 through 22. In John chapter 18, verse 37, Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God as my kingdom in Luke chapter 20, verse 30, and John chapter 18, verse 36. Yet he clarified that his kingdom was not of this world. He promised that one day he will return to reign on the earth. Matthew chapter 26, verse 64, Mark chapter 13, verse 26, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and verse 11. When Christ returns, it will be for the purpose of reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. He will reign, as we learn in today's reading from Psalm 2, with a rod of iron, in Psalm 2, verse 9. In contrast to the glorious reign of Christ that is to come in the future, the reality which is being experienced in the hearts of regenerated believers, in the book of Kings we see the failure of human kings. The book reminds us of the frailty and fickleness of our political leaders and, more importantly, the frailty and fickleness of our own hearts. We need a Savior as well as a King. We start with the reign of Jehoahaz. He reigned for only three months before he was taken away in chains to be imprisoned in Riblah in the land of Hamath by Egypt's pharaoh, King Necho. He dies a prisoner in Egypt. King Necho appointed Josiah's son, Eliakim, to be king of Judah, changing his name to Jehoiakim. He reigns for eleven years, but his country is heavily taxed by Egypt and attacked by Babylon. He does what is evil in the eyes of the Lord, who brings judgment on Judah by permitting it to be invaded by the Babylonian, Aramean, Ammonite, and Moabite raiding parties. It is Jehoiakim who will cut the scroll with the words of God given by the prophet Jeremiah and have it burned in the fire, in Jeremiah chapter 36, verses 20-24. through 24. 
In the passage we read today, we learn more about God's justice and the sins of Manasseh during his previous reign. In 2 Kings chapter 24, verses 2-4, to the Lord sensed against him, Jehoiakim, bands of Chaldeans, bands of Arameans, bands of Moabites, and bands of Ammonites. So he sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken through his servants the prophets. Surely at the command of the Lord it came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done, and also for the innocent blood which he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not forgive. 2 Kings chapter 24, verses 2-4 through 4. We learned that the Lord heard Manasseh's penitent prayer, but the consequences of his sins were certainly felt for generations to come. Jehoiakim succeeds his father at Jehoiakim's death. Babylon's power has eclipsed that of Egypt under Nebuchadnezzar's reign. He, like Jehoiahaz, reigns only for three months before being taken to Babylon as prisoner. Nebuchadnezzar personally came up from Babylon to besiege Jerusalem and demand its surrender. He takes all the treasures and 10,000 people as booty to Babylon. Only the poorest people are left behind. Jehoiakim remains in prison in Babylon for 37 years before being released when evil Merodach becomes king of Babylon. Jehoiakim's uncle, Mataniah, is made king of Judah, and Nebuchadnezzar changes his name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah asks for trouble by doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and rebelling against Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonians crippled Jerusalem with a four-month siege that starved Jerusalem's fighting force and caused them to flee with Zedekiah. The Babylonian forces catch up with them. The Jerusalem forces separate from Zedekiah, and Zedekiah is captured. At Babylon, Zedekiah witnesses with his eyes Nebuchadnezzar sentencing his sons to death and killing them before Nebuchadnezzar puts Zedekiah's eyes out. This fulfills a prophecy of Ezekiel, who said in Ezekiel 12.13, I will also spread my net over him, and he will be caught in my snare, and I will bring him to Babylon in the land of the Chaldeans, yet he will not see it, though he will die there. Nebuzaradan, the commander of the Babylonian guard, sets fire to all the important buildings of Jerusalem. He takes Jerusalem's chief priests, Sariah and Zephaniah, as captives to Babylon, together with Judah's leading recruiting officers and advisers, where Nebuchadnezzar executes them. Jerusalem is devastated. The temple, palace, and city walls are destroyed. The sacred articles of the temple are carried off, as is most of the populace. The bronze, the silver, and the gold are stripped from the temple and palace furnishings. All valuables are confiscated. Gedaliah is appointed to govern the people left behind in Judah, but he is soon assassinated. Those with him flee to Egypt for fear of the Babylonians. After a long imprisonment of thirty-seven years, Jehoiakim is shown favor by the new king of Babylon and given a high seat of honor. So we come to the final words of the book of Second Kings. Jehoiakim changed his prison clothes and had his meals in the king's presence regularly all the days of his life, and for his allowance a regular allowance was given him by the king, a portion for each day all the days of his life. Second Kings chapter 25, verses 29 through 30. 
Now that we have concluded the reading of 2 Kings, let's go to our next stop on our Bible tour, to the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 22, verse 17, and we read through to chapter 23, verse 10. If you remember, the Apostle Paul is giving his defense before the people in Jerusalem. He has just shared his testimony, and now he will describe the events that happened after his conversion. Chapter 22, verse 17. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen your witness was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging, to find out what they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. Chapter 23 And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, 
afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament portion from the book of Acts. Let's take a moment to step back and reflect upon what we just read. The Apostle Paul continues to give his testimony as he addresses the crowd in Jerusalem, answering their charges that he is against the people of Israel, the law of Moses, and the temple. Paul is cut off when in the course of his testimony he affirms that the Lord Jesus has sent him to preach to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 22 verse 21. The crowd begins to riot. The Roman commander unwisely orders Paul to be taken to the barracks and flogged. Before the flogging begins, Paul questions the centurion. Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? Paul serves as his own lawyer as the fact of Paul's citizenship and right to a fair trial is paramount. A violation of Paul's rights as a citizen, even by a Roman officer, would mean prosecution. The Roman officer wants to find out the source of the trouble and therefore invites Paul to stand before the Sanhedrin. The tempers of both the priest and Paul begin to flare. The high priest orders that someone strike Paul on the mouth, and Paul retaliates with a word that was no stronger than the Lord's reprimand of the religious hypocrites, calling the priest a whitewashed wall. Paul humbly apologizes as he respects the high priest's office, though not his behavior. Paul, knowing that there were both Sadducees and Pharisees on the Sanhedrin, affirms that he is on trial because he is a Pharisee, believing in the Pharisees' hope, which is the resurrection. This causes a great uproar. The author of the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, explains in Acts 23, verse 7 and 8, As he, that is Paul, said this, There occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. The atmosphere was so tense and the dispute so violent that the Roman commander ordered that Paul be taken away into the barracks for safety. And we will continue our reading tomorrow. Now let's go to our next stop on our Bible tour, which is the book of Psalms, the Bible's prayer and song book. And we are on round two, going to Psalm 2, verses 1 through 12. The reign of the Lord's anointed. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. 
This psalm, Psalm 2, is quoted or alluded to at least 18 times in the New Testament. That makes it the New Testament's most quoted psalm. It is a messianic psalm, referring to the reign of Christ. It is a royal psalm, referring to the Son of God being established as King. The other royal psalms are Psalm 18, Psalm 20, Psalm 21, 45, 72, 89, 101, 110, and 144. This psalm and the Davidic covenant speak of a universal and everlasting rule, obviously looking beyond Israel's earthly kings. This psalm looks to Jesus, the eternal Son of God who became man, who was born under the law to fulfill the law on our behalf. He came to die and rise as our substitute and provide the reconciliation and regeneration necessary to establish the rule of God in our hearts. We read of the raging voices of the rebellious nations in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. After the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, the persecuted early church quote this psalm in their corporate prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 26. In this psalm, we are reminded that the tables will be turned on those who mock the Lord, and the Lord will have the last laugh as His enemies are exposed and judged in verse 4. We hear the voice of God the Father in verses 5 through 6. Then He will speak to them in His anger and terrify them in His fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my King upon Zion, my holy mountain. Then we hear the voice of the Son of God in verses 7 and 9. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, you shall shatter them like earthenware. And then we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in verses 10 through 12, giving the hearer an opportunity to respond and put their trust in Christ. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment, take warning, O judges of the earth, worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. And now for some divinely inspired practical wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Remember, a proverb a day keeps foolishness away. We'll try this one out. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Listening is an art for the heart. Be swift to hear. Seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Listen carefully. Think before you speak. Now let's pray. Gracious God and Eternal King, You are worthy and we rejoice that You are enthroned both in the heavens and in our hearts as Lord of all. We have seen the failure of human kings and mourn the failure of our own fickle hearts. We thank You for the Son of God who came to purchase and cleanse us with His atoning blood and wash us from our sins and grant us new life in the Holy Spirit. We ask that You reign in us. We ask that you have mercy on the United States of America on this its birthday, and that we would recover our values that emanate from your word. Bring a spiritual awakening, not just to our country, but to all the nations of the earth. Send forth your light and your truth. 
send forth laborers, and strengthen the church in the power of the Holy Spirit, that your word would take root, birth faith, and bring souls from darkness to light. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, wherever you are, celebrate your cherished freedoms in the gospel most of all. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Have a blessed day, and if you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us by writing an email to podcast at newlife.org. And if you think it would be helpful to have a written copy of our commentary with illustrations, maps, and charts, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. O-R-G. So until next time, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and be not again entangled to the yoke of bondage. Shalom. Shalom.